Well, good evening, LCM. All right. We've lost practice. It's okay. It's okay. We hadn't been here in a while together. So, good evening, LCM. What a glorious night to be together as the body of Christ. Tonight is Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Come on now. And the title of tonight's sermon is Give Them No Quarter. Give Them No Quarter. Saints, we are stirred up tonight. Uh, all I can say is after that worship service and prayer time with you, uh, I'm ready to take on the world. I assure you, we are going to continue to rile things up as we go. Take a look at Psalm 133. Verse 1 together. I'll read it to you. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. Can you feel the anointing of God hitting you while we're worshiping together? And my soul needed that. Been praying, we've been fighting and looking to see the kingdom break out. But there is something special about worshiping with you. Church, we were impacted by the idea of us walking through the tabernacle during our worship time. We, we entered in the gates of praise. We found where His holiness resided. Then He began to impart something deep into our souls. This is an amazing thing that we have tonight. See, we want to take just a moment to celebrate what God has done during our great time of tribulation. Our great heavenly commander gave us here in the great Republic of Texas the perfect amount of time, seven whole days to be able to solidify our convictions and allow us to deepen our resolve here in this place. We should secede. <laughs> Saints, I have to be clear with you. I am overwhelmingly excited about the victory that Texas has given us. And in a very, maybe even selfish manner, with a holy jealousy, I am jealous that we are preaching tonight legally. I've been waiting my whole life to preach an illegal service in the United States instead of in the Middle East. I will say, though, any night that you get to preach with Pastor Wade is going to be a good night. Come on, church. Now that God, in His kindness has granted us a spectacular victory. We have to start turning our attention. We have to start setting our face like flint, stealing our resolve, yes. tightening our grip, tensing our muscles, preparing for war. See, we will not be those who shelter in place on rooftops while our brothers continue to fight. It's springtime, church. We are actually exactly two weeks into actual springtime. But we also mean it's something more. It's springtime, church, and it's time to go to war in this place. Yeah. See, because we are ready for more in this house tonight. <laughs> Let's throw 2 Samuel 11.1 1 on the screen on that note. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. Saints, you know the rest of this passage. David got himself in trouble by sheltering in place on a rooftop. But saints, it's springtime here. And I have zero interest in Easter bunnies and beach time. <laughs> the King of Kings has brought us to a place in the last two weeks. It's kind of an awakening to the wartime that we are in. Amen. See, we are called to be priests as well as warriors. We have kings in this house that are like the Davidic king that are able to go off to war when we are supposed to. You're anointed for the purpose. You've been drenched in his blood, drenched in his oil, drenched in his drift in his identity for this purpose. We've been brought here to this day because we recognize the times and the places and the season that we're in. It's time for us to stir up the holy zeal saints. I can hear at the heavens clamoring. We had victory in Texas this week, but there is a greater war that we are about to embark upon. Our God has shined and favored upon us, but He made you for a very specific purpose. And we are going to war with the powers that be that are still holding our brothers. Can I get an amen in this house for that? You heard our sermon title, Give Them No Quarter. 
The pastors and I have a running bet that we have to settle quickly. Who knows what that means in a show of hands? All right, we're going to define it. <laughs> Can that I get that first slide? That means the pastors won, by the way. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> so those of you that don't love military history, and we have a couple masters of the application of violence back there that I know they know what this means. Give them no quarter. The idea of getting quarter is derived from warfare in the past, where no quarter means to show no mercy, to award no clemency, to give no quarter originally applied to military situations. See, the idea was that your living arrangement, your food, was called your quarters. And when a military campaign was going on where they said no quarter, their warning in advance were not taking prisoners on this expedition. If you want to fight, then there will be no refuge. There will be no captives taken and there will be no one brought back to their families. Either you stand and fight with us or you flee now, because that's our intention. Let's roll through to the next slide. Traditionally, the flags that were used for this no quarter looked like this. In Europe, they were often red to symbolize the blood that would later be spilled. It was an announcement for an advancing army, an advancing ship, that there was no quarter, no mercy, no prisoners being taken. They were coming with the intention to spill blood later. Roll through to the next slide for me. <laughs> now, I wish we could tell you that when we were reading the word and thinking about this sermon title and seeing it demonstrated in the scripture, that we remembered the DCD logo, but we did not. It's almost like the Holy Ghost led us into where we needed to be. This is the DCD cover for the pamphlet and the ministry that C.T. Studd worked in. If you notice in this next slide, it's going to zoom in for us. On the left and the right, these two symbols are not just a symbol of some demonic rock band. They are the symbol of a military campaign that is saying, we are giving no quarter, no mercy. There is not going to be any prisoners taken. We are coming for one specific reason, and it's to annihilate our enemies. Church, say that with us. Say, give them no quarter. quarter. See, what that means is you got to annihilate. You got to eviscerate. You got to desolate, obliterate, exterminate, eliminate, liquidate, eradicate, extirpate. You got to give the enemy no quarter in this house. We've got to have that kind of attitude. See, because our God actually delights in the difficult. Yes, he does. He is a master of delivering his people through opposition. See, because the greater the difficulty, the greater the glory for our God. He delivers and rescues us while the crushing, he crushes the opposition in the heavenly realms. Somebody say the heavenly realms. Heavenly realms. Everybody turn with us to Isaiah chapter 8. We're going to see how this plays out throughout scripture. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 9. Come on, somebody say no quarters when you get there. No quarters. I think I like it even better with that New York accent right there. No quarters. You know. Isaiah chapter 8. Hey, I'll go into battle with you guys any day. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it every day. We're going to. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 9 says this. Raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan because it will not stand for God is with us. Do you hear what's going on here, church? God is taunting his enemies. He's playing with them. He's saying, yeah, go ahead and wake up. Go ahead and get ready. Because when I come on the scene, you're not going to stand because I take no quarters in this place. Imagine God taunting your enemy. Just taunting him. Anybody ever got in trouble for taunting somebody? You realize that you shouldn't have taunted that guy. You shouldn't have been so bold in that situation. See, that's not what we're talking about here. God has raised up this church so that we can have a give them no quarter kind of attitude. See, our God gives them no quarter. He has no intention of taking prisoner. He's no has no plans of offering a means of escape to them. See, our God loves to fight. Come on now, church. Our God loves to fight. 
Exodus 15 teaches us that he is a man. He is a God of war. And that's what he loves to do. It is in his nature. It is in his character to taunt his enemy. You know why? Because his victory is assured. You know what that means for us? It means that our victory is assured tonight. We're going to have a give them no quarter kind of attitude here at LCM. God is using these circumstances to build the conviction in us personally that we need. And you can see when you're standing next to men and women on your left and right that are willing to suffer consequence for the same conviction, how much does it bond you? You start to love each other that much more. Our God is the kind of God that knows how to baptize his church and what is necessary to produce the conviction and courage that they will need later. We're going to take a look at one more scripture that highlights how our God feels about this. You may remember Joel 3. We're going to pick up in the ninth verse. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into a sword. Sand your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side, and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Our God is jealous for these kinds of circumstances that call upon the courageous to steal their conviction and a great cause for Christ. We were made for the saints. Our God likes to entice the enemy to bring out of his church what is necessary. Steal your courage. Steal your conviction. God brought you here for this reason and something is rising in this house. And it is the answer to the world. See, some may think that we are barbarians. Some think that we're a militaristic church. Let them. It's true. No quarter given. I'm all out for Christ. Nothing else will suffice. This is what the world needs in this namby-pamby religion that we see around us. Our God is drawing up clear guidelines and battle lines that we might actually make a stand where you know who is with Christ and who is not, no matter what they say. Can you hear God taunting the enemies that be to rouse themselves? To revitalize their strength. Go rally your courage, he says. All the while with an ambivalent confidence. Because he knows that he's going to crush them in an instant. Man, men did not know how long this would go on for us. Many of us thought we would be banned from meeting for two months. God allowed that we would steal our courage. And then in seven days, he crushed it like it was nothing. That's a lesson to remember when it looks like it's hopeless in your situation. It never is. Just don't yield. Church, do you hear what we're, we're proclaiming to you tonight? See, most people would be relaxing now. Most churches would go, praise God, we can meet. To hell with everyone else. We're fine now here in our place. Come on. But what we're saying tonight is now is the time for us to advance. Now is the time for us to make war against the enemy. Because we've gotten our victory. It's time for us to fight for other people. Come on now, you know it everywhere you go. The fear that you see in people's eyes. The I literally yes. saw someone run from Pastor Matt at Home Depot yesterday. Social distancing. I kid you not. Had no idea to do what to do when a man of God just started walking down the aisle. They, they froze like a little child, turned, turned back, and then turned off and ran. It's funny except for the fact when you think of this. That man is completely bound in fear. Come on. He saw someone walking with confidence. He saw someone walking in a different divine dimension and literally had no idea what to do. And stood there and then ran off from us at Home Depot. Church, the reason that we're calling out to you tonight is now is not the time for us to relax. Man, it feels so good to be back together with you guys. I miss you. I I miss our normal way of life. How much we see each other all the time. I'm, I'm feeling lonely. We're doing more than the average church. And I'm like, golly, what are we going to do? See, what we're going what, what to do is we're going to advance the kingdom by making war in this place. There are many in this room that evangelism is your beating heart and passion. We have an opportunity set before us that is not a sales pitch. You're not attacking someone with verbiage. It is a witness beyond belief just to be filled with joy right now. Have you sat in a line somewhere? Do you see anyone that is happy around you? The fact that you have a smile and are not filled with fear is a light for the gospel. Come on. Consider verse 12 and 13 in the same passage. This is how our God sets this scenario up. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat or judgment. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. 
Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. See, God is bringing us to a place that is no quarter. There is absolutely zero exception. He's making it clear who belongs to Him and who does not. Why? Because that brings an opportunity for His real, pure gospel to shine and be advanced. He is not taking prisoners. He is showing no mercy. And He will not be looking for the half-hearted. He is coming for the valley of decision, of judgment. He's making a divide that you are the instrument of light in. God has brought us to a scenario that was intended to produce life while the world only sees darkness. Can somebody say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. Turn with us to Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to take a look at verse 12. Exodus 12, 12. It's a familiar heading to a scripture, but I think you're going to be blessed by what we go with tonight here. Exodus 12, 12. Say no quarter when you're there. It says this, on the same night, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. This is that warrior king that we're talking about. This is that warrior God who is here to make war. The blood, somebody say the blood, blood. will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Church, uh, some of the things that we found this afternoon, as Judah and I and Pastor Matt were studying, we found an interesting artist rendition. Normally, we're about to be right at Passover. Next, Wednesday night is Pesach itself. And we have found an artist's rendering of what the blood on the doorpost must have looked like. But not for what the children of Israel, what it looked like to them. We actually found from the Egyptian perspective what the blood on the doorpost looks like. Are you guys ready for this? I want you to turn your attention to the screens and see what the Egyptians saw when they saw the blood on the doorpost. Yep, that's exactly what they saw. Yeah, they saw a no quarter sign for what God was about to do. Come on. See, our God was telling them, he was telling his enemies that no quarter would be given on this night. This is exactly the attitude that we're talking about that we've seen demonstrated in our God. See, we are men who are marked by the blood of the lamb. We are families that are marked by the blood of the lamb. See, the reason we are offensive to the kingdom of darkness is because our very existence is crying out to them that they will find no quarter in the life to come. That they will find no quarter when our God comes upon the scene. See, for those who oppose our God, they will find no quarter. Our God will come in and annihilate them. And that's who we represent. No wonder the enemy wants to try to keep us from meeting. No wonder the enemy wants to lock people down in fear. It's because they're seeing the colors, the red colors of the blood of Christ that says for them, it's no quarters. For us, it is salvation. For them, it promises that they will not be able to make it. You cannot stand opposed to God and continue on. You better make your decision before He comes in judgment. Because if you wait till after, it's too late. Amen. See, that's what this symbol is saying. If you wait, if you try to engage me, you've already lost. And I'm telling you ahead of time, the mercy is, is that you know ahead of time that you must get right. Because you will not be able to stand against my judgment. Amen. Church, do you see why we're preaching so hard at you about standing according, your t- according to your convictions? About developing deep convictions in the Lord? What did we talk about on Sunday? What was Pharaoh's plot? Pharaoh's plot was to say, just compromise a little bit. Just compromise here. Just give an inch there. Just let me keep a hoof here. See, that, was what, that is always what the world is trying to do to us. If he can get you to compromise on standing on your convictions, what is he really trying to do? He's trying to avoid the no quarters judgment that is coming upon himself. He's not worried about you. The enemy's trying to find quarter, but he won't find it here. He's not going to find it in my life. He's not going to find it in Judah's life. He's not going to find it in our families or at LCM or in the one association. There is no quarter that we give to the enemy here. You remember on Sunday, the pastors taught a fantastic message. And much of the basis for it was the way in which Pharaoh was always trying to get them to compromise just a little bit. You can go, but not your wife. Okay, you and your wife can go, but not your livestock. The reason Pharaoh was trying to do that, Pastor just said it, because he knew that judgment was coming, and he was trying to find some kind of route to evade it. 
In Exodus 12, 12, the point was always that God was bringing judgment on the gods of Egypt. See, we are not at war with police officers. We are not at war with politicians or governors. But we are absolutely at war with the spirit that is driving them and the gods of their life. See, we were made to endure situations like the Israelites so that we might prove God faithful. And when you look at your enemy in the face and you say, I'm not going to give you any quarter. There is no mercy. There is no compromise for you to get out of me. There is no area of my life that I will show you mercy. I'm driving you out. You're setting the stage for God to bring judgment on the powers that be in the world that are working against the church. Consider Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, this is a common scripture that you grow up hearing in church. Passages just like this where we're putting on the full armor of God get spiritualized in a way that nobody actually knows what it means. Saints, this is what it means when spiritual powers are affecting what is happening on the earth in righteousness or in wickedness. There are powers that are trying to oppose the mission of this church, oppose the mission of your family and your individual life that are at war with the one association. Why? Because we stand with Christ against the gods of this world. We are a threat We have been repenting. We've been purifying. We're becoming the priest of God that we were made to be. Don't be surprised that the enemy took notice. Stare him in the eyes and say, I'm not going to give you any quarter. That's right. Church, we often have the wrong kind of concept of what spiritual warfare looks like. We think about someone manifesting a demon and having to take care of that. That's the easy part. What most of the time spiritual warfare looks like, what these spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms look like, it would be more like a battle of attrition. They're just trying to get you to nudge off of your position just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit more. It's trying to wear you down, like building siege ramps. You realize most warfare over the course of time was about starving your enemy out to make them surrender? More than it was just a battle between two men on a field. See, this is what the enemy tries to do. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. You are there in Ephesians, Ephesians 3.10. Come on now, say no quarter when you're there. Ephesians 3 says his intent, God's intent was that now, somebody say now. Now. Say it with me again. Say now. Now. See, this is not for some time either in the distant past or in the far off future. His intent was that now, through the church. That's a good word. Through us, through you and I here in this room, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known, not to the governmental officials. Not, not to the police officers and our, and our sheriff officers, but to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. Come on. Come on now, you standing according to your convictions is declaring a statement to the heavenly realms. Wow, how are those little small people there? That little small church, that little person that's standing over there, they have such little strength. How are they able to stand against the onslaught, against the deluge that is coming? See, it's now. Somebody say, it's now. It's now. It's now through the church. See, it's through the church that God wants to make His wisdom known. And who does He want to make it known to? Into the heavenly realms through us. According to His eternal purpose, which He has already accomplished in Christ Jesus. He's already got the victory. That's why He can say, have no quarter, my friend. Leave the enemy no quarter in your life. Stand up. Fight for your families. Fight for your friends. Fight for your brothers. Because the victory is already guaranteed in our lives. Amen. Saints, when we say no quarter, we are absolutely talking about you leaving no room for sin in your life. That is factual. It's what we are talking about. But I assure you, that is not the majority of what we intend this evening. You remember when we spoke about when the kings go off to war in springtime? We are talking about you not giving the enemy any mercy and you taking everything from him. This is not about you just sitting where you're at and not sinning. This is about the war that we are going to wage against the powers of darkness. We are going to take from him. His servants and make them sons of God. We're going to see principalities that have been dominated by wickedness, transformed by the gospel light. We're going to see men that have been bound by sickness, healed and set free in Jesus' name. We're going to see Muslims and atheists turn towards a righteous God just the same. We are going on the offensive. Say us. Us. Say me. Me. 
You are the church of the living God. You are making His manifold wisdom known to the church. Let's look at 1 John 3, 8 together. Say no quarter when you get there. Good job, Elijah. (laughs) There are very few passages that are just so direct as this. I love it. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Got to love wisdom from the elder John. Both of them. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Hear that word, destroy, annihilate, eviscerate. That's what it means to give no quarter. That there is no prisoners that God came to take. When he came onto the scene, it was for the very purpose of crushing the devil's work. And our life and our family and our church and the one association, we must take on the same mentality. When you hear things like, I want to win, it summons the feeling of a refusal to sin inside of you. When you hear the words, give them no quarter, it ought to make you aggressive. Give them no quarter. What this is intended to do is show us the attitude of Christ. Who of you have been given the right to become a son of God in this house? You are a son of this prince. You are a son of this Davidic savior. You are a son of this king. That means you are on this earth to destroy the devil's work. It's what you were born again to do. Anointed to do. He is equipping you. He has equipped you. You were made to give the enemy no quarter. Church, do you understand what, what Judah has just said? On Sunday, we talked about no hoof left behind. That was about what you would not move upon. You would not give the enemy an inch. You would not let him take anything from you. Give them no quarter, says, I will now go and take everything from the enemy. See, one is talking about what those immovable, deep convictions that you have. The other is giving us purpose as an entire church that says, ah, now I got it. Now I know how to hold on to this. Now I know where I must stand. Let me find some brothers who will do the same. Let me go out and engage in battle that can do the same. Let me take from the enemy everything. He will take from us nothing and we will take everything for him. Amen. Church, that is the attitude of give them no quarter. Look at verse 9 in First John chapter 3. It says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning. Wow. Wow. He cannot. It's no longer possible for him to go on sinning because he has been born of God. Because he says, you can't take it from me where my convictions are and I know what I must go do. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Anyone who's not willing to go make war on behalf of his brother is not part of this kingdom that we are proclaiming to you. See, this time... Somebody say, now. Now. At this time, God is making His lines very clear about us all around us. See, those who love Him and those who really don't. Those who can hold to their convictions and those who do not. See, God can work through these things. He can work these things out in His people. (laughs) Truthfully, He can do it in as little as seven days. Even some of us with (laughs) some sniffles and some coughs, coughs along the way. See, God can work these things out in us because... He is trying to instill in us deep convictions that produce a warlike, a warrior mentality that we will go out and take from the enemy everything. God's kindness to us, drawing these clear battle lines, is making it more and more productive in the kingdom. See, what this looks like when we're giving the enemy no quarter is Michael Hall getting revelation out of the word and sharing it with the men that he works with. Mario Clement with a bold witness at his workplace, seeing people transformed. Brandon Fowler walking as a beacon of light to the families that are around them. This is your individual calling, taking everything that God has called you to and giving the enemy none of your inheritance. Do you want all of your inheritance tonight? Let's turn to Exodus 23 together. We're going to pick up in the 28th verse. Say, give them no quarter when you get there. Give them no quarter. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. 
because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for us. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. See, God has always given his people clearly defined borders and battle lines. God is drawing up our battle lines in a way that makes it easy to run and play in the field that you were given. See, real soldiers, when they know their job, their mission objective, they're happy. What they hate is confusion. Well, God is making it abundantly clear. Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites, the things that are opposing the gospel of God and exactly what land belongs to them. See, but they didn't get it in a single day. Something inside of them was increasing. It was rising. Their convictions, their character, their constitution was raising to meet the adversity that was in front of them. And little by little, they were taking more and more from the enemy, giving him no quarter. Don't spare anyone. See, little by little is actually for our protection. When you think about a seven-day time frame that God instilled an increase of conviction inside of us. It wasn't like it wasn't there before, but it's more than it was before. He is preparing us to take the whole land. Look at verse 31. It goes back to this exact theme. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the river. Now listen to this, church. I will hand over to you the people who live in the land. Come on. And you will drive them out before you. See, his plan was always that we give the enemy no quarter. Not that you hang around. Not that you make friends. Not that you make compromises. But you drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land. You cannot tolerate this. Or they will cause you to sin against me. Because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. See, in this passage, we find out that the borders of our inheritance as saints are non-negotiable. Somebody say non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. See, God establishes the field that we are to work in. The family that we are to be a part of. See, God is going to hand over the enemies to us. He's going to clearly define who they are. He's going to clearly define the borders so that you know those who stand with Him and those who do not so that we can drive those enemies out of our life. So we can drive fear away. So that we can drive these spiritual powers out. See, don't you dare compromise. Don't you dare concede. Don't you dare give up a hoof. Not even a little bit of your life is worthy to be given up on. See, little by little is how you're going to grow. Amen. Everybody say little by little. Little by little. Boy, that should encourage every person in the room. I don't think I'm growing fast enough. Are you growing? Well, praise God. Let it be little by little. Because when you get it little by little, it drives it deep down into your soul. See, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be uh, fretful about it. What you do is, Lord, you're working it into us little by little by little. We can trust in you that you're working it into us. It also allows you to look at a brother and go, hey, I can have hope for my brothers. I can have hope for the men in this room. Man, you may think that you've been too weak. You may think that you don't deserve to be here. I'm telling you, you do. Because little by little, God's going to work it into you. Just like he's worked it into me. Just like he's worked it into Judah. It's little by little. He'll keep working it into us. But we got to have the attitude that says, we will give the enemy no quarter. At no time will we make an even concession for them. Why? Because God's going to work it into us little by little. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at how the New Testament church walked this out. We're going to turn to Acts 4 and pick up in verse 31. Come on, there was Alice Clans there. Amen. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want to submit to you tonight that what he has done inside of you personally when we come together is exponentially more powerful. That the unity that we have causes something to happen inside of all of us. See, each of these men had an experience with Christ that transformed their lives. And they find them praying together and something being stirred up. Even the physical world around them was being affected by what was happening in them. The walls were shaking as they prayed. The heavens were shaking as they prayed because something was beginning to surge inside of them. And they went out boldly. It's almost like they were going on the offensive. They were committing an assault against the world around them. When we worship together, can you feel something stirring inside of you? We're saying let it loose tonight. Don't tame it. Don't care. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks about it. Let it loose. Give the enemy no quarter. Give him your very best. Verse 32. 
All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. Elder Baj is always preaching and teaching about unity. If you sit in his living room, he will talk to you about unity. It's because he's a man that understands the value of unity in his life. What it does for us when we stand on our personal convictions is it means I find the people next to me precious that do the same. See, when you have brothers that are willing to fight alongside you and you have been in difficult situations together, you grow in your appreciation. You grow in your loyalty. And in the kingdom, you actually grow in power. Man, I got to say, on the devil's part, it was quite the mistake to awaken the church. See, he's been poking the American church, a sleeping bear. And we're finding out that some just wilt and they were never with us. But we find that others' convictions are growing. That their clear lines have made them more acute, more aware of what God is doing. See, our convictions are that much stronger. We have grown personally. And we have grown corporately together. We see victory now. And we begin to fight for our brothers. We are fighting for what the rest of the One Association needs. We have tasted of it. We've stood together and seen God deliver us. But I want to tell you, him choosing to stir something up, the enemy trying to pressure you. Come on now. Any of you had some awkward elementary school years, some middle school years where you were a little smaller, you didn't quite hit the growth spurt when everybody else did, got poked one too many times and something rose up inside of you. You just weren't going to take it any longer. It was a mistake on the enemy's part to mess with LCM. I promise you that what will come out of us will be greater than we were before. I say no quarter asked for and no quarter given. I don't need your mercy, devil. My king is big enough to make me stand. We spoke about Romans 14 on Sunday. Do you believe that he is able to make you stand? Then tonight we're going to walk in that holy confidence that comes from what the living God has put inside of us. Where He's giving us healing hands during worship. He's surging in our spirit an attitude that is of Christ. That says, devil, I will give you no quarter. I'm going to see souls set free. I'm going to see the gospel advance to new nations. The kingdom will prosper despite what you do. You can't stop me. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17. Man, can you feel that holy savagery rising in this house tonight? Come on, Come on now. Man, it should, what has happened in the last few weeks, in the last week or so, should, should remind you. It should teach you something. Pastor, do we really have to have all these meetings? I mean, absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. We're feeling it already as a church. We're like, we want more. We want more. We want more. Because we see that that holy savagery is growing. In Proverbs 17 and verse 17, it says this. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for or in adversity. I want you to first of all start off by not setting these two things opposed to each other. Come on. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. No, 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 no. No, no that's not what we're talking about. See, just with a little bit of adversity. See, when we go on the mission field, it is oftentimes that we're meeting illegally. That's, that's the norm for where we go on a mission field. We're just not used to doing it here in America. Man, just that little bit of adversity. Don't you feel... Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you feel like a brother. Feel like a brother. Turn to that neighbor you didn't want to talk to and say, you feel like a brother too. I see um, you, Timo. Um, but I'm a girl. Yep, that's too bad. A friend loves at all time and a brother is born in adversity. See, we're, we're creating a family here, but this is not just the whole family. The ones that you're turning and seeing in this room, that's not the whole part of the family. See, you can't forget the rest of our family. See, others have had their resolve dampened. But this time of adversity has only deepened our resolve. Yes. See, this is what we were created for. I know that this is what we were made for. We were going to watch God do mighty things in our midst. He, we're going to watch Him have power of healing flow through our hands, of boldness in our words, of the right word at the right time. Consider John 15, 13. It says, greater love has no one than this. Then he lay down his life for his friends. Come on. Church, we want to stir you tonight. Our goal is, 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 is not hidden from you. We want to stir you so that not only are you praying, not only is there a boldness that rises within you, but you understand we've got a one association of churches. We've got brother churches who need us to war for them in the heavens. Do you know that in Virginia... The stay-at-home order was extended through June 10th. 
They just went ahead and said, it's all the way in June. Deal with that, churches. See, see, we've got to pray for our brothers. We've got to pray for our friends. We've got to pray for the other churches in the one association. And we're going to do it. You know why? Because we are ready to lay down our lives for our friends. Amen? We are brothers that are born in adversity. Not just from physical bloodlines or any other means. We are bonded together by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you, even among natural brothers, a fight where you're defending yourself is one thing. A fight where you're angry with somebody is another. A fight when you see somebody grinding your brother into the earth without mercy. What rises up inside of you when you see someone else beating on your brother, attacking your wife, harming your child. That kind of bitter resolve that rises up. See, saints, we are stronger when we are fighting alongside our brothers. And there ought to be a no quarter, no mercy given attitude coming out of you when you see what they're doing to your brothers. See, we are going to fight and attack like men that are watching our family be attacked and persecuted. I have a resolve that is growing not because of what has happened to us. In fact, I'm getting a little jealous that they get to continue to walk in this. They're fighting and contending. That should spur something inside of us that says, oh no, they're not doing that alone. I'm not leaving them to do it alone. Zeke Lamb's not going to be left by himself. The Knicks are not going to be left by themselves. I'm going to fight alongside them. I will bombard the heavens over and over again. God will move on their behalf. I want to tell you that in Acts 3, Peter and John, they're piling around together. Why? Because brothers are born in adversity and they're more powerful together than alone. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the right hand. You have no idea who took him by the right hand or who said what. You just know that these guys piled around together because they were used to contending against the enemy together. They knew what it was to see the dead raised, to see the sick healed, and they did it together. Sure, one of them may have been plenty enough by themselves, but when you want to win a fight, you call your brother. You have him close. You let your enemy not know that he's around the corner. When you want to win, you're not here for sportsmanship. You're not here for show. You're here to give no quarter and kill him. We are in a fight that I intend to kill the enemy. We're not wrestling. We're not sparring. This is a match to the death with no quarter and there's a bloody flag. I am marked by Christ. And I cannot give the enemy that Christ hates any quarter. Consider two other brothers that learned how to war together. Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 11. Turn there quickly. Acts 11 and verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Uh Uh-oh. I wonder why he did that. He knew that there was going to be a fight and he wanted to have a brother with him. Then Barnabas went to to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, they made war together. They gave the enemy no place. They gave the enemy no quarter. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. They went to battle on the in the heavenly realms against the spiritual forces and they proved to be... They decimated the enemy because of their work. The disciples... Come on now. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Get it? They fought so hard. They gave the enemy no quarter for so long that they just said, there is something entirely different about these people. We got to give them a new name. We got to say that they are like the Christ that they say that they serve. They are becoming warriors like their God. And we see it because we see brothers who are fighting together in adversity and through adversity. Saints, when we say no quarter... We mean like Jehu inviting all of the prophets of Baal into a house and then killing them all. We mean like Shammah standing in a field and not leaving until he struck them all down. Like David in Psalm 18 saying, I ground them as fine as the dust of the earth. You hear about men of God participating in battles this way. But we are engaged in something that is equally real. In fact, I would argue it's more real. The heavens are vast. And our God is a God that is at war using His church and manifold wisdom To display something to them. You need each other to do it. They need us to do it. Something of that holy brotherhood ought to rise up inside of you. We echo the sentiment of two brothers. One named Joab, another named Abisha. In 2 Samuel 10, 12, they stated, Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in His sight. We declare that today. Be strong. Fight for the cities of our God, for our other brothers, for our tribes that are ahead of us. 
Because we have won and we have seen God's grace upon us. It makes me want to fight harder for my brothers. It makes me want to go, Lord, don't leave me out. Lord, we only had to fight seven days. Lord, we're kind of disappointed. We, we want to fight a little bit more. We want to keep going with this. Really? That's it? That's seven it. Days. That's all we had to do. There's only one inheritance, church. There's many tribes to fight for. Come on. We got to fight for each other. Come on. Somebody say no quarter. No quarter. See, we cannot rest. Now is not a time for us to rest, but to advance to the pastor and congregation of Ihad to Peru. We say, Pastor Brasso, give them no quarter. Give them no quarter, Pastor, and we are going to fight for you. To the pastors and congregation of One Light Ministry, we say, give them no quarter. We fight with you tonight. To the pastor and congregation of New Life Ministries, we say, give them no quarter, Pastor Treester. We're going to fight with you. To the pastor and the congregation of Remnant Church, we say, give them no quarter in that house. We fight with you. To the pastor and congregation of King's Harvest Church, we say, give them no quarter. We will fight with you. To the pastors and congregation of Submission Ministries, we say, give them no quarter in that place. We fight alongside you. To the pastors and congregation of the Arising Church, we say, give them no quarter. We will fight with you, our brothers. You know, three years ago, we stood at King's Harvest during the One Association, and we said we stand alone together. That was part of our moniker that year. Well, tonight, LCM, we're going to begin to make good on our moniker and our promise to our brothers. They may be alone, but we are standing with them. We may be the only ones, but we're completely willing to do it because we will fight alongside them. In just a few moments, we're going to begin to bombard the heavens on their behalf. Not some mamby-pamby prayer, not a desire for comfort. We're going to ask that the gospel would break out with a DCD, masculine holiness kind of attitude. That they would give them no quarter and advance the gospel. That he would make a way despite whatever verdicts are sent out by the government. See, we want them to know that we are with them. Do you want them to know that you're with them? In a kind of LCM fashion, we want you to give us a war cry that they can hear. You ready? Let them know you're with them. Churches, we are with you. Churches of the One Association, we stand with you and we will fight with you. Everybody turn to Luke chapter 10 in our final few moments together. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 18. That's right. No quarter. Jesus replied and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Church, the battle is at hand. This is not a time for us to retreat, for us to try to find comfort. A spiritual battle against overtly spiritual opponents. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers and the rulers in the spiritual realm. See, Satan's time is short. Come on. He has fallen like lightning from heaven, and it is our time to engage him in battle. Look at verse 19. I have given you authority. Somebody say authority. Authority. He's given us a warlike cry here in this place to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Somebody say all. All. Come on, I remember a sermon that said, all means all when the word is saying it. See, this is not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. When God says, I have given you the authority to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing is going to harm you. You don't have to worry about that part of it. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Really? That's not what you need to have joy over. That's the lightweight. That's the light, easy stuff. If you're going to have a Calvay Comer, here's the light stuff. You get to cast out demons. You get to be the victorious one with all authority given you. That's the light end of this message. Come on. That's the easy stuff. That's the stuff that has the foregone conclusion. And that's why you say you give them no quarter. But what's the heavy? If that's the light, what's the heavy? But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We have so caused this to be such a sissy kind of statement. Well, rejoice that one day you get to fly away like a little birdie. No. No, you got to rejoice that your name is on the roster to be a warrior, to be a soldier for Christ. That is what we get to take joy in. We get to walk in this with divine soldiers that will give the enemy no quarter at any time. Saints, your names are written in heaven. You are marked by the blood of a lamb that means no quarter for the gods of Egypt. 
See, the heavy matter is not whatever adversity is put in front of you. It is what you have been marked with that might as well be a bloody flag that says we're taking no prisoners. We want you to walk in that kind of holiness. This says what Christ marked me with is better than the blood of that lamb. And it still brought judgment on the gods of Egypt and salvation for this people. What I have is more than that. I have the perfect son of God and his blood is on me. And it is announcement to this world that I have come to destroy the devil's work. In John 14 and 28, he says, you heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. See, the reality is that what we are living in right now is just the time between our Father's visits. You know for certain that He is coming back. Just wait. When things have not turned and you're fighting and you're struggling and you don't see immediate success, just wait. Your Father's coming. I'm marked by Him. The blood of Christ is on me and it says give them no quarter. I'm not yielding and I'm taking from you. Why? Because our God is coming back. Jesus told His disciples, I'm going away, but I am coming back to you. We want to tell you tonight that the King of Kings is coming back to you. Your inheritance, your calling, walk it out with the blood of Christ on you as a marker. Give them no quarter. As you move on in John 14, in the 29th verse, it says, I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. He's speaking about his death and the things that would occur later. We have been warned in advance about what is coming. You are not unaware. You are prepared in every way. God has been instilling the convictions that you need to stand. Now more than that, we're going to take from the enemy. He goes on and he says, I will not speak with you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father. And I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Saints, your depth of relationship with the Lord is everything. The fact that you love Him and obey what He commands is so much more powerful than you think. You don't need a new phrase. You don't need a special program. You don't need good lighting. You need to intensely love the Father and obey what He commands. And you will find that the enemy's ground is taken for Christ. You will see a rescue shop set up at the gates of hell like we've preached about so many times. Your intense love for Him is powerful and it is more than enough to overcome in Christ. As you stand to your feet with us, we're going to tell you how you can have your part in this. Brenton, we're going to ask that you keep this camera rolling. This is how you can pray, church. This is how you can have and do your part here in our midst. Go ahead, stand with us. Make it quick. Because I don't want you to miss it while we're shuffling. This is how that we can engage in this battle that God has put before us. Is everybody with me? We are going to give the enemy no quarter. In our daily evangelism, our daily evangelism that displays overwhelming joy. Amen. Come on, when you go somewhere, put a smile on. Have full faith in operation. This will show how we're giving the enemy no quarter in our lives. We're going to give the enemy no quarter by devoting ourselves to increased discipleship. We are increasing our discipleship because we are taking his ground. We're going to give the enemy no quarter as we daily have the daily disciplines in our families. Each and every day, we're going to take the time to do what God has already given us to do so that it is a daily practice that grows us in our daily disciplines. We are going to give the enemy no quarter in our prayers by laying hands on the sick without fear and watching them be healed. We're not going to give even up a hoof in a single area in our church. More than that, we're going to take from the enemy everything. We are the sons of God, born to destroy the devil's works, and we will give the enemy no quarter. In our closing statements, before we begin to be led in prayer, we want you to consider a quote that we've talked about before, but we want to realize tonight. This is from C.T. Studd. In peace, true soldiers are captive lions, fretting in their cages. War gives them liberty and sends them like boys bounding out to school to obtain their heart's very desire or perish in the attempt. I know that there are real men in here and that you're longing for those moments when it's all or nothing for Christ. You don't want to sit like a captive lion in a cage where you're fed and have everything you need but no real life. We're saying let it loose tonight. Like boys bounding out into a schoolyard as soldiers entering the fight church it is time to show no mercy church it is time to annihilate the enemy 
church, it's time to give them no quarter. We're going to give them no quarter in our prayers for the One Association corporately. We are going to see the heavens move, Satan fall, and the gospel continue to advance. Are you with us tonight and praying for One Association churches? Do you want to see them have victory like we're having victory? Right now, let's begin to do our part in prayer. Let's take the responsibility to join our brothers in the fight. To join them in their victory. Mighty God, right now, I lift up to you their rising church in Chicago. Lord, we pray for the, the powers in the heavenly realms to be cast down by the blood and by the name of Jesus. We pray for the leaders in government to have their hearts turned in repentance in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your gospel be declared through the rising church in that city. We pray for the spirit of repentance to break out within this city. We pray for your spirit of repentance to break out within the state of Illinois. Lord, I pray for pastors slaughter, pastors Masty, for also for Elder Ben and Elder Mark. Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen them and fill them with your wisdom, fill them with your power, or fill them with your word that is able to go break the bonds and yoke of oppression of those within that city. The Rising Church, I want to let you know, like in the book of Isaiah, you are called to take captives from the fierce. You are called to take captives from the fierce. You're called to loose the chains of injustice for those within that city, for those within that state. We say right now in the name of Jesus, give them up. Give them up. We say to the heavenly realms, you give them up in the name of Jesus. And through the members of the arising church, we say use every single one of them to go get captives from the fears. Use every single one of them to go loose the chains of injustice. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the arising church. We plead the blood of Jesus over Crystal Lake, Illinois. And we ask that your glory be displayed through this ministry and through those members. Elders, if I could have you guys come down forward. We're going to continue to pray for the rest of the One Association churches. Saints, continue to stir up. Stir up your souls. Pray in tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in English. Join us in the same heart and attitude. Yes, mighty God, we lift up submission ministries to you, mighty King. Father, we say by the blood of your Son, by the blood of your Son, mighty King, that you would empower them, Lord, that you would anoint them, mighty King, with power, Lord. That your spirit would break out in that church, Lord. That that state, mighty King, politicians, directors of government, Lord, that they would incline their hearts to you, mighty God, because of the testimony of the power of that church. Father, let them show your love, mighty God. Let them show your power, mighty King. Let the blood of Jesus be worth something to those that see the actions of the submission church, mighty King. Father, we say, take the glory for yourself, mighty King. Take the glory for yourself, mighty God. Let the church in Virginia be stirred up, mighty God. Father, we stand with them, Lord. Submission church, we stand with you. We will fight with you in the name of Jesus. Father God, we stand in the gap with our brothers at King's Harvest, Lord God. Father God, as we build a wall, Lord God, as we build a wall with a, a sword in one hand, Lord God, and a trial in the other, as we lay one brick upon the other, Lord God, according to your work and your will that you set before them, Father God. Yes, Lord God, this opportunity that you give us to set free, Father God, these seven days came forth and they separated the shepherds from the highlands. Lord God, and you are revealing yourself through this church. This responsibility falls on us, Father God, as we give you the glory, Father God, and stand in the gap, Lord, for our, our brothers in King's Harbor. Mighty God, we lift up. 
New Life Ministries up to you, mighty God. Lord, we pray that you set New Life Ministries as a place above all the other ministries where they can see the standard and the deep convictions that you have set forth, mighty God. Mighty God, we stand in the gap for them and we say no to, to the principalities that try to prevent them, mighty God, from advancing your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you protect each and every one of the families there, mighty God, and that you set them apart in their communities so to be a light. Lord, we pray for the treasters, Lord that you give them encouragement and send them disciples that can stand side by side with them, mighty God. Lord, we love our brothers. In your name, Jesus. Father, we lift up to you the remnant church now. We say in the name of Jesus, let a spirit of courage come over them. Lord, we know the indestructible nature that you've made them of already. Lord, we ask it that you would let it shine. Lord, in Mike and Jen, that they might be a beacon in your house. That the leaders in that church, Lord, might walk in a joy and a courage that causes the fearful around them to see what is truly like. Lord, in an area of dead religion, Lord, in theology that men rest upon as their surety, let it be torn apart by these days. Let their true faith shine out and they see men and women come into the fold. Let them recognize where light is and where darkness is. Lord, draw up your clear distinctions between the real and the righteous church that you have established in that place. Lord, we bless them. We say, let that spirit rise. Let it be made known. Let it be a proclamation to all of Dallas. Come on, sir. Stir it up. Let's stir it up in the heavenly realms. Don't get lax. Now it's time to finish strong. Now it's time to do our part in prayer. We're interceding for our brothers. We're interceding for the victory. We say in the name of Jesus, strengthen the one association of churches. Lord, turn the tide in the heavenly realms for their favor in the government, Lord God. Let your glory be displayed through these ministries. Let discipleship, let the gospel be proclaimed in this time with joy on their faces, mighty God. Lord, we pray for Buddy in Peru. We pray for Ehad to Peru, Lord. We pray that strongholds be broken there, Lord. We pray for the attacks of the enemy to be thwarted, God. We pray that the stone crush, crush the attacks of the enemy that are coming against them, God. The strongholds that have been there for generations and generations, Lord. We pray for freedom. We pray for freedom for those people, God. We pray for freedom to worship, Lord. We pray for for lives to be set free, God. And we pray for disciples to rise up. We pray for disciples to rise up. To rise up in power and strength. And to share the gospel with all those around them, God. Church. Church. An attack on one of us and an attack on all of us. We will stand. We are the body of Christ. We are not divided. We are not separated. We are unstoppable. Lord, we pray for fire to rain down. Mighty God, we cry out to you from your throne. Though we cry out together, every person in this room, we lift up One Light Ministries in Indonesia to you, mighty God. Lord, you said a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Lord, you said, let your deeds, let your light shine amongst them so that they will know their Father in heaven. Lord, we pray for pastors Brent and Teresa. Lord, we pray for the disciples there that their deeds would shine and that they would know you who is in heaven. They would know you through their deeds. Lord, that fear would not stop them. Lord, any reserve would not stop them. Any plans and thoughts of the enemy would not stop them. But that all in Indonesia would see the deeds of the righteous ones there. And they would begin to praise the true Father. Lord, I pray that Muslims would know their true Father in heaven. 
They would know they're no longer orphans, but that they have a Father in Heaven. And that is you, Jehovah God. You are the one who is the Savior of Indonesians. So we cry out right now for mercy upon the Muslims there. Gabriel, we're going to take just a moment and we're going to pray for our governmental officials. We're going to pray for those in the, in the municipalities, in the, in the places where our churches are. We're going to pray for the governments there as well. This is the, the words that Jesus said regarding the Holy Spirit. He said, when He comes, He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in Me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see and no longer will you see me and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged father in the name of jesus lord we as your church come before you right now god we as your body right now come father god to ask you that you would allow this scripture to come to pass that you would send your holy spirit right now god to convict father god the governors father god of illinois god the governors of virginia god the governors, Father God, that are over Indonesia, Father God, in Peru, God. I pray, we pray, in the name of your Son, God, that you would bring conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment upon their lives first, Lord. Start with them, Father God. Shake them in the night, God. Give us visions and dreams, God, that they would bow their knees and proclaim you as Lord, God. We ask you that the spirit of the fear of the Lord would rest upon them, God, and that they would open up their mouths, Father God, they would open up their mouths in repentance. And what you did would never connect that you would do with them as well, God. That you would give the church favor in this land, God. That you would give the church favor in those cities, God. And that your kingdom would be released and come upon the earth in Jesus' name.